Welcome to Planet Mainstage. My name is John Prentice. I scoop out all the dirt and I put it in a pile. I'll probably be working here for a little while. Digging a hole in the ground. He's digging a hole in the ground. Welcome to the show. Yes, that is the one and only Al Simmons singing I'm Digging a Hole, premiered at last year's Cranky Festival, along with Cranky, and yes, Debbie, Al Simmons was the correct answer to last week's Name That Riff contest, and we'll have another contest this week, maybe related to the Cranky Festival. The fourth annual Winnipeg Cranky Festival is well underway, crankyfestival.com for tickets. Tonight is the Prairie Panorama, hosted by Al Simmons and featuring a scad of Winnipeg and Manitoba artists. We will feature them in the second hour today, but first, I'm very happy and excited to feature an interview with well-loved Winnipeg singer-songwriter, producer Scott Nolan, talking about his show and the new album, The Suburb Beautiful, a collaboration with Glenn Buer, featuring Glenn's arrangements and orchestrations. As part of the festival, it will be tomorrow, November 7th, at 3 p.m. at Crescent Fort Rouge United Church. I'm digging a hole in the ground. Here we are, the Winnipeg Cranky Festival, and Scott and Glenn Buer are uh, the Sunday uh, show. So it's called The Suburb Beautiful. The West End show you did, was that? Uh, that was uh, with the orchestra musicians? Yeah. That yeah. was called The Manitoba Skylines. And so you're telling me that the, these this is on the verge of the, the album coming out, which is that music, right? Is that true? It is, yeah. yeah. The album, uh, I believe, won't be officially released till next spring. I'd say more so, arguably, than the orchestra show at the West End. Uh, this show kind of is a, it, it gives you kind of the, well, the whole record for one. Um, the, some of the, part of the record was, uh, the core was done with the Penderecki String Quartet. Another section was done with mem- members of the Manitoba Chamber Orchestra. And then we went back and added two more songs with kind of our five-piece group. And that was particularly uh, special to me because, I mean, Glenn and I's relationship is newer. But these musicians we have in common here, uh, all three of them, Gilles Fonier, Joanna Miller, Paul Balkane, they go back to my like literal day one of my career and I'm back at the Blue Note. And so we got these long and great histories. And um, so to me, it's, it's rounded the record out. And in performance, um, much of the stuff you saw with the orchestra at the West End these arrangements have been reimagined for five of us. So <laughs> there's five of us working twice as hard to, to make it happen. And it, it sounds differently. Certainly the presentation is a little different, but um, you know, it's been a real journey and process, this collection of songs and the, the way it came together. All of it is so um, brand new for me. The, the writing itself, I think could be considered a, a song cycle, which is not something I've ever, uh, explored really kind of um, autobiographical in a in a in a sense it um, it really if I'm being honest it was it was a, a blue collar artist at middle age 
is what this record really was. It was after I wrote the book of poetry, which was also connected a lot to the neighborhood I grew up in and, and my upbringing in Winnipeg. And these songs kind of uh, really grew out of the, the, the poetry. And uh, I just had been um, trying new things. I, uh, you know, I hadn't performed, uh, you know, sober uh, till I was well into my 40s. And I'd begun playing with a childhood friend, um, doing these kind of smaller shows. And, uh, you know, things, as always, uh, just, just kept kind of changing and um, growing, uh, and, and which keeps it interesting for me. But so these songs, kind of a lot of them came out of that. And I can't remember how long it took me to write them. But uh, by the time I was connected with Glenn, it was, I'd say, a three-year process from the arrangements um, to the actual recordings. The show you saw at the West End uh, the day before was a recording. So the chamber musicians on the new record, that performance comes from the West End. And when you hear the record, uh, the West End is like a member of the group. The room itself it became such a magical and critical part of the sound of it. It was done in the round. Maybe we can explain what happened there at West End. Yeah, we kind of had two goals. Um, one certainly was Glenn uh, and Bram Woltovi founded the New Music Festival back in the day. And so they did these performances. They were the ones that brought the bleachers on stage and the audience on stage. And so we wanted to do stuff like that. But I had suggested, you know, maybe we meet in the middle and use a venue that's close to my history. And I explained why the West End and particularly the Podolics why their philosophies and, and uh, endeavors mattered to me. So we decided on that room. And once we did that, we went down and looked at it for the purpose of recording. And Glenn quickly realized what I meant about, you know, if we bring it down off the stage and just use the room itself as a recording vessel. Um, yeah. So then our goal was to kind of, was to mount a show to kind of give people a, a glimpse of the new music and, uh, and ultimately record. That was kind of the first goal was to, well, where are we going to record <laughs> with 10 chamber musicians and, yeah, just to, just find trying to find a place that could capture the not just the spirit of the performance, but the the actual sound of it. You know, I used my recording colleague Jamie Sitar. So again, uh, the meeting of the worlds where we didn't record it the way classical recordists probably would have. And when you hear the record, it's got a darker and maybe drier quality than you might hear with symphony players. And it's also like when Glenn and I first got together, there was a couple key things that inspired our collaboration. And one was we were visiting one time early on and he had talked about uh, in, in, in the classical world where he um, spends a lot of his time, you know, he talked about this world struggling to retain relevancy. Um, the audiences that kept symphonies working were often older people who wanted to hear older music. So these people were in the later stages of their lives and they didn't really want to hear the new music that much. And so we would get together and talk about what potential um, solutions there were to things like this. And this is where I kind of came back to, I met Mitch first, Mitch Podolik, before knowing the family at all. And I wasn't a folk kid. I was a heavy metal kid. And so how our friendship began was, was unique. And I really came to appreciate and understand the kind of folk ideology well before the music. It wasn't uh, acoustic guitars and banjos, really. It was conversational and so one of the things I suggested to Glenn that I felt could be missing in that world is, you know, if you go back a hundred some odd years ago, um, those people, their stories were in that music. And perhaps that's what's missing today is uh, the folk element in, in music and song. And I think about this record we just made, and I think the 
the cuts with the quartet and the chamber musicians, I think are, I think it's really folk music. You know, it's, it's truly acoustic and it's, um, uh, it's an imaginative thing. Uh, it's not, it's not a roots folk guy with strings. It's not that kind of thing, you know, and, um, Early on, Glenn would work from these work tapes I created. I would do work tapes here on my own and share them with him, and he would begin creating arrangements and, and kind of expansions. And then I began really encouraging him to I, wanted to, I wanted to turn up the Glenn. I wanted to be more of that um, collaborative thing. And it was a song called Patron State of Broken Hearts, where uh, it really began. We really started hearing it where it was, um, it was beyond just the immediate arrangement of what I'd already composed and recorded and things got interesting. And um, I remember him writing me and saying he was stuck for a day or two on that particular song. And I had jokingly kind of almost teasingly had said, um, you know, the quartet can be my right hand. If you listen to the song, um, the finger picking pattern, which was very inspired by my friendship as a, as a young man with Chet bro. Um, he had kind of impressed upon me as a, as a kid, really that you could play bass and melody and, and, and all these things simultaneously if you took your time and, and learned how to do that. And so I was kind of joking with Glenn, not trying to be immodest. But it, as it happened, that was the, the trigger point for him to when he went back to the piece of music. That's what he went back to. And he, he kind of zeroed in on the, the pattern and then he began taking notes away. And it became this beautiful thing that builds up with, um, with cello and, and viola. And it's almost like a baton pass. When the guitar comes in, you almost don't really even see it coming. All of a sudden, it's like, oh, the, those instruments disappear for a second in its guitar. That was nice, the first nice. moment where I thought, oh, boy, that's, this is really exciting where it's starting to go now, you know? Mm -hmm.
me parking cars at the church on Easter Sunday. Pastor John said this is either everything or nothing. That night I got a chill when I heard the choir sing Hallelujah, Hallelujah. Storm before the calm. Patron saint of broken hearts had me searching for salvation before I completely fall apart. First Sunday after the first full moon of spring, how even nothing feels like something when you've lost everything. We sing for mercy.
That was the patron saint of broken hearts from the suburb Beautiful. And now back to our interview with Scott. This is Planet Mainstage on 101.5 UMFM. What I think of, of Scott Nolan's music, I think, well, you know, the word I think of is melancholy. But melancholy going to uplifting. That, that's how I look at it. Uh, melancholy, I definitely agree with. I, I think the new record is also, um, it's a product of my age, you know. Mm-hmm. I had gone through the cycle of like, you know, when you when I was in my 20s, I wrote about um, um, Texas and Arkansas because I was traveling a, around there a lot, spending a lot of time, and I was very enchanted by these communities and environments. And so the writing was always directly connected to whatever I happened to be doing. And mm-hmm. I stopped traveling, um, my life settled. I stopped drinking and smoking and hanging out in, in yeah. honky tonk taverns and stuff. And so inevitably and thankfully the writing went with it, you know? And yeah. so, uh, I guess what I thought was that you, you own the imagery here. Uh, and it's, you know, it may be the kind of thing, the stark imagery about a cold Winnipeg quiet, evening where you all those images that you create and say like Ar- Arlington the song Arlington about the, the you're just there you're a sense sensing this cold stark city that we live in and um and for me to really not to to appreciate it from your perspective I have to sort of come through you and see it through your eyes kind of thing you know it's like yeah, that's that's what Winnipeg is, you know. So I really felt that when I was listening to the music yesterday. So I thank you for that. Oh, I appreciate that. There's something I've I've seen before in uh, in Guy Madden, in Katharina Vermette's books, in John K. Sampson's songs. And as I was kind of getting near my, you know, in my 40s, right, and and uh, settling down a little bit in terms of behavior. I really started to see what these artists that came before me saw in this city as a, a muse is a bit of a funny word to use, but it's true. There's so many unique things about this province. Um, I, I often say when I used to tour a lot, I started um, in my early days defending Winnipeg. And by the end of my years on the road, I bragged about it. And people would kind of scrunch their face up about the one or two things they might know about our city. And, and I'd say, you know, we have beaches and deserts and the equivalent of the North Pole. It's really, it, it, it's an astounding and completely enchanting place. You yeah. just have to, you have to arrive there at your own time. Mm-hmm. If you're, uh, you know, I mean, we, we come with our own agendas of what we want out of a, out of a city. But for me, um, like I, I have friendships with the guys that, you know, drink in the park in the daytime uh, across from me here. And, and I was, I was making a little video for, for the song yellow lights amore. And I mean, there's no money to do any of this stuff. So I'm going to do it myself. And I walked through um, places like Bruce and Assiniboine park. And, and uh, I'd walked to, I, most days I walked to Moray bridge and back. So all these little, locations were, were seeping into the music and um so i asked these guys uh, they wanted to be in my video and and i and i explained a little bit of the backstory and the one guy said to me i watch you here every day every day i see you in this park and i i think it's got to the point where people you know have seen me out there enough they'll start kind of saying hello and stuff and 
I've begun to learn of the history of Lemoyne Fitzgerald, the, the, the group of seven member that lived just across Portage Avenue from me and Clarence Tulanius. And it's a neat history right in this little neighborhood. And um, just kind of walking every day and being in it, it's so loaded with color and inspiration. And it's beautiful poetry uh, and uh, Manitoba Skyline. That's the last song, right? Is it? Yeah. The, I, I just love the way that resolves at the end. I, I, so uh, Manitoba Skyline and uh, Patron Saint were the two that I thought, you know, were more, if I had to pick. But it, then I, I also referenced uh, Arlington. The thing I didn't reference is kind of interesting because in a way it's like you painted the characters in a- Annabella of the Red Light District, kind of, you know? Oh, yeah. And, and those... The, those uh, there's a strong imagery there that somebody could paint or draw or something, right? The colors of that the, song. Um, it actually, my work tape for that, um, that song was um, initially, I was trying to create a theme song for a TV show that didn't exist. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about Peaky Blinders. I was a real fan of the TV show Peaky Blinders. Mm-hmm. And anyway, I, I actually was at Buffalo Gal for an unrelated meeting, the film company. And I'd said yep. to them, um, you know what I think would make an amazing show. Like my Irish grandmother, mm-hmm. no man ever tread on her. Mm-hmm. She was the, the tough, aggressive, but like, you know, wild character. And like what's neat about uh, Annabella Street in the whole early red light district here, it's a fascinating history. And but all these um, houses, they were all run by women. There was no kind of male pimp per se. And um I'd said to them at Buffalo Gal, I said, boy, I think it would make me, you know, we got a Sopranos, we got a Peaky Blinders, mm-hmm. we got these types of shows. Where's the female cast, mm-hmm. the female ensemble? I think that's where you could really start unearthing some, you know. Yeah. We don't, we don't really look at the, um, in the history of gangsters, we don't look at the women, and we should. Yeah. yeah. And that was, and that that sort of held that, that, that area, that, that time, that area, that place that Aunt Annabella held everything together, what they were doing, you know, I guess. And all um, those names are real, real people, real stories, you yeah. know, it's, um, yeah. Yeah. it's fascinating. Uh, I went to Guy Madden with that one. I'm like, you know, because I know he'd been pitched by Hollywood and different places to do something that was meant for Netflix kind of thing. I know he's been... I know he's been because we've talked about it and I get those same draws in my own career. But so I always tried to tell him like, you know, maybe there's something we can do here because mm-hmm. we've become uh, friendly and uh, you know, uh, I gifted him some music. He gifted me this beautiful book cover. And like, I'm like, you know, I think there's way more, way more we could do here if we chose it. Yeah. I think that era is, um, I can't believe it hasn't been done yet. Really. Yeah. Great. Yeah. it's great. I, uh, Glenn and I are largely doing this on our own and just, yeah. uh, I mean, to Glenn's credit, we've produced this uh, record together, but he's also executive produced it. And I, I, my hat's really off to him because it's, um, uh, he treats the musicians so incredibly well. Like uh, uh, it, it really feels like a level up, especially yeah. with Joanna. She's been so dedicated uh, to me and my career. So to, to have a little structure and some, some fair wages and, Glenn's been really great. And uh, I mean, uh, so much has gone into it. It's really, uh, it's yeah. really quite a thing. And uh, most recently, the artwork, mm. I was being encouraged to use um, some of my collages, which we wound up doing. But wow, 
I finally said, you know, in, in my studio, one of my screensavers is this lithograph from 1930. And it's a, a beautiful illustration of Portage Avenue looking towards downtown. Yeah. And I, I remember being in the studio with Glenn saying, you know, geez, this should be the artwork. I've looked at it every day that I've been working. Yeah. And, uh, and Glenn said, well, you should, you know, reach out to the Manitoba archives and look into it. And I don't know why the thought hadn't occurred to me. Manitoba archives were so wonderful and uh, it, it was considered public domain. So uh, we had access and they had really high quality scans. So the record, um, the packaging and stuff is, it, it's by far the most beautiful of my career. And it comes with a, a the LP comes with a beautiful booklet uh, with this beautiful matted finish that has all the lyrics. And I, I can't even remember several, uh, at least a half a dozen of my collages. Mm -hmm. So it kind of like, I'd said to Glenn, you know, um, being on small independent labels my whole career, I always wanted to treat each physical release as an actual piece of art, you know? Yeah. We could put poetry in there. We could put, I go get a new record from like one of my musical heroes and there's not even an insert and it, it, it kills me inside a little bit. Mm -hmm. I want like, yeah. I want substance nice. in my hands. Yeah. yeah. So again, Glenn was yeah. like really gracious about, okay, let's, let's do mm -hmm. this your way. And Roberta Landreth yeah. did the layout design. And so the, the LP size is probably just part of that, eh? But uh, because, uh, you know, CDs, you can't jam all that beautiful art into a little uh, CD package. No, I mean, there'll be booklets and stuff there too, but really yeah. it's, it's nothing quite like the record to me. Yeah.
Bella Street from the suburb beautiful and now more with Scott Nolan. So we're talking about Sunday the 7th, right? Uh, for uh, it's well, they call it Crescentwood Arts Center, but it's the Crescentwood United Church in Osmore Village where Cranky Fest is. And, um, you know, I've done this uh, since the first year I've been involved in some capacity or other. And this room has a particular um, hold over me. It's really like a miniature um, Ryman Auditorium or something. It's just, it's exquisite. And so this group um, to me is a real, um, uh, I know this group is the perfect vehicle for me for that space, the way it sounds, the liveness of it. And I've sat in, in all the various corners watching other people's shows so i really have a, a sense of it so it's yeah sunday november 7th it's a 3 p.m matinee show which is something that um, we've done before that people seem to really enjoy and um yeah i i, I promise it will be uh it will be a magical thing so if you don't mind just me talking about a couple other things in, in your life at the moment, because uh, we've been reflecting or we had a show last week, <laughs> which you may or may not pick up on, on uh, as I promoted it. But uh, Oh, right, with Watermelon Slim. Yeah. And uh, I think uh, Grace is, and, and, and Charles still have that kind of flying. You can partake in it. But uh, I just have to say uh, it was so neat to see the teaser or the clips of it and then boom there's two of my favorite musicians playing with him but uh you know yeah maybe you want to talk about um that uh recording and having watermelon slim do uh, golden boy yeah we're actually talking slim and i about doing it again and um so jeremy now um having moved away um that opens a, a vacancy for me that I, um, you know, I've been actually talking to Glenn about that because our, our whole thing is, um, is, is kind of launching uh, a website we partnered on called uh, Dreamplay. 
and yeah. it's kind of an artist hub. And Glenn and I are artists in residence, full-time artists in residence, permanent artists in residence, I should say. Is it and there now? A, is it is it there now, Dean Green? Active now, yeah. Um, and we have a rotating um, um, guest list of guest artists in residence. We talked about all these various things, the music rooms, things we'd, we'd loved over the years. And we just talked about how we could maybe begin building that in the virtual realm. And uh, Glenn found a really great web designer and it's... Um, it's really high quality. We, we've we've come a long ways to working out little uh, quirks and kinks. And ultimately, there'll be things like um, I'm outfitting the studio right now with uh, mounted high def cameras and and new lighting that will allow me to um, do streaming performances from the studio. I could share um, the behind the scenes makings of records, all kinds of new stuff. Um, anyway, the Golden Boy has never been released in North America. And so I'd kind of went back to Glenn and said, you know, Slim wants to come back and make another record. And I thought what I might do is bring Glenn on board where Jeremy was on piano previously and uh, bring in Paul Balkane, who's a you know key part of our new group. And Joanne and Jill, of course, will remain in their their places. And um, I said to Glenn, you know, this, you know, we're, we're, we want to release records through Dreamplay. We want to kind of do our mutual interests all through this uh, one little hub. So uh, I'd suggested to Glenn, you know, to re-release Golden Boy is an international release right out of the gate for us. And I could get us uh, access to the follow-up record. And of course, our new record, Super Beautiful. And so before you know it, we're, we're coming out with Dreamplay with three, three really strong records right away. So mm-hmm. all these things are kind of in the works. Uh, another thing is, uh, uh, I don't know how long ago this was done, but uh, I got the privilege of being in, a, in an exclusive uh an exclusive uh, home concert for Stephen Fearing and found out at that concert that his uh, Unconquerable Past was produced by you as well. That's right, yeah. And uh, that uh, is an a, a amazingly great album. Again, with Winnipeg players on it, right? I've been lucky that I, I didn't really ever go out and, uh, you know, when I came home and stopped touring, I didn't know I'd get to start producing records. I had no kind of like grand plan. And I've been lucky that um, every record that's come my way has come organically, not through pitching or any kind of stuff like that. And I mean, every one of them to me is a, is a total gift. I, I, I feel like I, there's got to be about 14 or 15 for sure. And um, Sorry, William Prince? All Williams records, yeah. Um, uh, Stephen Fearing's latest, uh, uh, Lynn Hansen record, uh, Little Miss Higgins record, um, Corin Raymond's last record. Watermelon Slim is Golden Boy. Um, Bendy LeCour from Nashville um, came up here in February to make a record with me. And it's uh, really unique. Uh, it's called uh, Shadowland. Really unique and beautiful record. And uh, yeah, they're all really, truly special. I kind of, I consider them all a part of my immediate artistic, you know, uh, existence. I don't see them as like a side thing or a, a for hire thing at all. I, I, I like... I, I can't take anything on that I don't completely love the way I would my own record. And um, coming back to Glenn and I meeting and talking about the folk ideology, like all the stuff in my life worked in a weird haphazard way. I was mentored through prison letters by a cousin doing a life sentence. Um, I met a guy like Mitch Podolik trying to get my rock band on at world next door. Yeah. And the beauty of Mitch is like the interview for the gig had nothing to do with music. Nice. There was no demo tape or audition. It was wow. me and him in his office talking. 
Wow. He was an exceptional guy that did things his own way. And it, it stayed with me as a young man. Uh-huh. It's continued to inform stuff. And it's like I say, the music part came later. Like yeah, I became yeah. a Stan Rogers fan way, yeah. way later, yeah, but yeah. it was really just Mitch's ideology. And uh-huh. I always try to remind people of that now that the idea of gatekeepers and tastemakers and all this stuff, that's a wholly pretentious thing. Nice. If you're in a position to, to nurture and develop and champion, holy fuck, that's everything. Yeah. Think of the Willie P. Bennett's of the world. Mm-hmm. The guys that like watching Willie Solo was like pure medicine. Mm-hmm. Forget the showbiz shit. Mm-hmm. People weren't lining up for selfies with Willie P. Mm-hmm. The people mm-hmm. that understood what he was really understood it. Mm-hmm. It was a whole nother level. And mm-hmm. so it's important, I think, now even more than ever to preserve like the Folk Fest has grown into this awesome thing on its own, but it's also important to protect and preserve the the roots of it, which mm-hmm. is what I like about the Cranky Festival. Whereas, you know, there's not a hierarchy or a dynamic there. Like the status part of it is is a non-existent. Mm-hmm. I remember being there last year watching Jackson from the D Rangers cooking for everybody. Like this is it. That that's he as far as I was concerned, he was Mitch that year. <laughs> Because Mitch would be fucking cooking all night, doing all this yeah. stuff. I yeah. remember looking at Jackson and going, oh, my God, he might be our our Mitch now. Leonard, too. Like mm. these guys, yeah. you know, and they've done the band thing. They've gone out and wanted to be, mm. uh, you know, successful like the rest of us. And then they had the epiphany. They realized, oh, there's way more here. Yeah. Way more here you can do with this, with this mm. skill. Hans Van Zandt had 12 people in his audience in the last decade of his life. Wow. He, he was no big timer, hmm. but we still obsess over his song. Mm-hmm. Watermelon Slim speaks to that too, eh? Oh, he Slim might be the greatest living example of it. Nothing prepares you for Watermelon Slim. Mm-hmm. I've said before, and I'm always cautious about this because I don't want it to come off as insensitive in any way, shape, or form, mm-hmm. but his life story, it's almost a little bit akin to the movie Forrest Gump in that, like, I don't know how far you got with it, but like Slim's auntie was Harriet Beecher Stowe, who wrote Uncle Tom's Cabin. Oh, wow. Who was was considered like one of the pivotal starting points of the Civil War. Slim came up in a very affluent family, but mm-hmm. it wasn't who he was. He wasn't, yeah. uh, he wasn't a, a aspiring to wealth. And like, so when you look at his career from uh, volunteering to Vietnam to all the various jobs he had, I mean, mm-hmm. his IQ has been measured well into genius territory. Yeah. He's fascinating. which is the name of that film right producing that song i call it my mount olympus because it's just it's an extraordinary song and i needed jeremy russo and jill phony to help me because it was it was bigger than i could carry on my own i played drums on the track jill on bass jeremy on piano and both of them told me later it was the most demanding session of their lives And Slim wrote that song, Words and Music, in his head, driving truck. And mm-hmm. I don't mean like simple chord charts. I mean, he notated this stuff. Mm-hmm. Slim can't, in fact, play it. He composed a song that he can't actually physically play. Mm-hmm. And in my estimation, it's a fucking masterpiece of American music. I remember calling Mary Gaucher going, you got to hear this song, Mary. This is another level thing. Yeah. When Leonard Cohen sings, it goes like this, the fourth and fifth, the minor fell in the major lift. The way it kind of articulates the melodic structure while staying in a poetic form, that's what Slim does with this song. 
Mm-hmm. I tell people all the time, if you care about songwriting, go find this because it's an absolute masterpiece of a song. I mean, that record, you can't get that record in North America. You can't go to iTunes and hear it. And I've, I've had little standoffs with his manager mm-hmm. who has told me that nobody in America or nobody in North America was interested in the record, he told me. Mm. And then he said, oh, we can't release it because it's the French. It's like, man, Slim paid to make this record. And myself and Charles Konowal, we used the grant from, from MTS mm-hmm. television. Yeah. They yeah. helped fund that record. Yeah. That's who helped make that record come to yeah. life. And yeah. all they said to me was, how can you make it a Manitoba story? And I yeah, said, yeah. man, watch me. Watch me. <laughs> I had 19 guest artists from Manitoba on that record. Yeah, I know. I had Nathan Rogers singing backups on a Stan Rogers song. Yeah. And I had Ray Stevenson, Walking Wolf, a, a yeah. very celebrated powwow mm-hmm. singer in our community, came in and, and, and did, did some powwow singing on a track. Like, to me, it's like, it's this amazing merging of Americana and Canadiana. And it's not even available to the public, man. <laughs> And I thought I was singing for a whole bunch of people Millions of folks living far below the line They don't buy new pickups, they can't afford CDs They don't matter to folks who smell like Calvin Klein They're wearing torn tank tops and greasy coveralls They're pushing crushed tin cans down a black conveyor belt They're living with wives and kids on far too little money Doing the best they can With the juices they've been dealt And this old working sweat Keeps on building up And a few of us profit But most of us lose And day after day we stretch out a living And our unheard melody Sounds something like the blues Something like the blues Now there's a woman I've loved when I wasn't too frustrated With busting my ass Just trying to survive And a nine-year-old cutie That I'd give my life for And I'll spend all my strength Just to help them stay alive And I'm sitting in this dirty old dumpster rig riding Knowing the chance you'll never hear me is small 
But I'm doing it for everybody That don't draw that bottom line And I'm hoping one day To make winners of us all Winners of us all This old driver's song You think I ain't worth it You're a thousand miles wrong But I'm still fierce and free And I'll fight toe to toe For a piece of your comfort Though it's coming real slow Hope you'll come down here and hear me real soon For I'm singing this working man Where I'm singing this working man Where I'm singing this working man That was Winners of His All by Watermelon Slim from the album Golden, produced right here in Winnipeg by Scott Nolan. By the way, you can still help out with the crowdfunding for the new Watermelon Slim film. If you want to find out more and help out, please go to konofilms.ca. That's K-O-N-O films.ca and click on Winners of Us All. You know what's giving me a lot of pleasure? actually, <laughs> we have to mention this as well, because you know I, I like it, is your collages. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Tell me if I'm wrong, but it started with you sort of soliciting uh, as many uh, National Geographics as you could get, right? I, and I'm overwhelmed. My mom came over and helped me put up shelves. To, to, I, I, I don't have room for them <laughs> So many people, like, I mean, like a thousand, over a thousand probably. <laughs> yeah. Where it really truly started, though, like all this stuff for me was, was like, um, was a response to to crisis mm-hmm. uh, every uh, I, I feel lucky along the way that I learned this for myself I try not to demand much of music and art because it's already done so much for me you know mm-hmm. yeah. aside from the fact that I've managed to make a modest living which is hard enough um, the collages I mean prior to the pandemic I mean days before the pandemic my common law marriage of uh, uh, you know like 11 years ended very suddenly without any kind of warning or much explanation for that matter. And 
I'd hired a guy and began renovating my house. And I just was like, I got up one day overwhelmed mm. by uh, anxiety and struggle. And I cracked the spine on a National Geographic and I, I started cutting and, and I began sharing them right away. I made these kind of inexpensive prints, but a couple of people had written me early on. Like one woman wrote me and said, you know, this has been a, a struggle living through this pandemic. And she wanted to let me know that she got up every morning and looked forward to my clause that day with her morning coffee. And how yeah. she kind of, she'd expand it and really, really take in the detail. And I decided in that moment that I would try to do one a day. I find humor. That's that's real humor, though. though, though some of those, uh, you know, uh, you know, just an example. Uh, uh, when you take a beautiful flower or a couple of different flowers and put them on an exec, instead of the, ex the executive having uh, his own look, he's got a flower for a head. I mean, and that's just a, you know, a really rough, crude example of what the collages are about. But, but uh, that, 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 you know, the, there's a humor there. Is that, am I interpreting that wrong? No, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> if you can see behind me, I have a painting of Winston Churchill. And if you remember my Montgomery Eldorado album cover, it's a painting um, that was done by Tom Waits and Kathleen Brennan's daughter. And the painting of Churchill is how I met her. Uh, I bought this painting uh, many years ago in a gallery in uh, California. And it was part of a, a exhibit, a collection called Men in Power. And it was kind of like um, she had kind of, uh, kind of emasculated in a way these kind of powerful men from throughout history. And when I was noodling around with uh, various approaches to collage, I felt very drawn to flowers and I'd, I'd had a whole bunch I'd cut out. And then I began, as you say, putting them on these, these uh, bodies. And I jokingly in my head referred to it as men in flower, <laughs> a little bit inspired by what she was doing. And yeah. I just, uh, yeah, it's just the juxtaposition of, uh, you know, two kind of things. It takes and, us to uh, a different level. Laughter is an interesting thing to analyze because it, it's a, re it's a reaction and you're laughing and it's a good feeling, but it's like, when, when you're jolted into a different perspective on life, right? Oh, so. yeah. Art's kind of <laughs> given me, uh, it's given me purpose and a tangible place to put struggle, really. The truth mm -hmm. of it is all yeah. the creative parts of my personality are born out of early struggle and my yeah. current struggle for that matter. And uh, I was thinking about this great Bruce Lee video I saw recently where he talked about you become the water, become water. And I thought to myself, you know, for me, that's, Art saved my life as a, as a boy, and it continues to almost every day. Nice. And I, I think about it like that with the water thing where, um, like, again, collage, you know, when I was in my 20s I was on a band called Leaderhouse, and I had an artist named Paul Butler do the album cover. It's, to this day, it's this beautiful, beautiful, kind of iconic record cover done by this really great collage artist named Paul Butler. Paul Butler ultimately inspired Guy Madden to begin experimenting with collage. Guy Madden eventually did a beautiful collage and gifted it to me for the cover of my book of poetry. The book of poetry was born out of anxiety. I was walking, trying to quit smoking. Poems just started coming to me like some sort of gift, encouraging me to keep going. And, um, and then collage. So it's like all these things kind of thematically connect for me, but what they all have in common is they're a response to anxiety and struggle and, and, uh, so I gave up the kind of pursuit of like the, the charts and all that stuff. I stopped caring a long time ago because I realized, oh, man, like this stuff gives me, gives me my life. That's mm -hmm. it. The whole thing. It's all I got. <laughs> when I visit prisons and schools now, that's, that's always what I say. You know, this is a society that's wholly inclusive. Unlike any other society in the world that I've encountered, the arts 
society is is truly an inclusive one that isn't dependent upon a college education or or um, any luck or breaks or any of those things. All that stuff's a myth. The infrastructure and the entertainment aspect of the arts, it's all a myth. It's all make-believe. It's all subsidized, you know? But real art um, will save your life. It nice. saved mine. And I just can't take anything else lightly now because it's, uh, I really just wouldn't be here without it. And so wherever it decides to take me next, I'm, I'm, uh, it's, it's, I'm fully willing to be uh, captive to it, you know?
That was Manitoba Skyline, the final cut from the new album The Suburb Beautiful by Scott Nolan and Glenn Buer. Thanks to Scott for the interview. Get your tickets for The Suburb Beautiful on at 3 p.m. tomorrow, November 7th, as part of the Winnipeg Cranky Festival at Crescent Fort Rouge United Church. Go to crankyfestival.com for tickets and more information. Hear me calling. Soon enough, though, I will be far away from misery, just standing on that sunny side of the street. Hello, this is Pokey Lafarge. I'd like to invite you to keep on rambling on Planet Mainstage on 101.5 UMFM. Said sunny, said sunny. Hey, everyone. I'm Laura. And my name's Graydon, and we're in a band called The Young Novelists. This is a song called Steel Rail Blues. Well, I got my mail late last night, a letter from a girl who found the time to write. Two lonesome boys somewhere in the night. She sent me a railroad ticket to take me to a loving arm with a big steel rail to carry me home to the one I love. Been out here many long days I haven't found a place that I could call my own Not a two-bit bed to lay my body on I've been stood up, I've been shook down I've been dragged into the sand I've been fixed real Most every night Walking along the streets Of this old town Not a friend around To tell my troubles to The good old car She down, broke down Got the drove into the ground With a big 
Across the plains, the big drive wheels are pounding along the ground. Gonna get on board and I'll be homeward bound. Well, I ain't had a home to and Lord, I need one now. And the next day, I'm gonna carry you home to the water. Hello, John here. Welcome to Hour 2 of Planet Mainstage for this November the 6th, 2021. That was the young novelists with their cover of Steel Rail Blues. Along with Big Little Lions, they will be part of Duo of Duos. Great name. That's this Tuesday, November the 9th, a Home Roots online event. I can hardly wait. Home Roots more from those duos coming up and more artists from the exciting Prairie Panorama tonight's show at the Crescent Fort Rouge Church, day two of the fourth annual Winnipeg Cranky Fest. Now, though, it's time for our weekly contest, Name That Riff, where you get to participate in the show, yes, name the clip I'm about to play and email me at planetm at umfm.com and win a CD. First last week's winner, yay, was Debbie, who guessed Al Simmons. The song by various titles was the iChart song, or simply I am for you, S-I-M-S-I-M. I am for you, S-I-M-S-I-M. Yay, Debbie. And of course, and of course, Al Simmons can see him tonight. He's hosting the show at Crescent Fort Rouge United Church, Prairie Panorama. Okay, here we go with this week's song. Love is a burning thing And it makes a fiery ring And again, love is a burning thing, and it makes a fiery ring. Hmm, got it? Email planetm at umfm.com. Good luck. Love 
is a burning thing And it makes a fiery ring Well, lots to get through in this hour. Got a message from ex-Winnipegger, now Londoner, England, that is, bluesman extraordinaire, son of Dave, a.k.a. Ben Darville. It says, I, John, back in Winnipeg, new son of Dave singles and show at the Royal Albert, November 12th, hoping for some radio play or whatnot. That's next Friday. His Facebook page is The Origins of Son of Dave. There, he says, Bandcamp is the best for purchases and video on YouTube, and the follow helps. He is a raging underground success in Britain, and these two cuts might tell you why. What a life. It's also an amazing video of non-copyright images on the YouTube, and new Waste Time With Me. A couple of factoids, Son of Dave has played over 1,400 concerts across Europe, Canada, USA, Australia, Africa, Russia, and he has played private parties for Grace Jones and Rag and Bone Man. Now he's on Planet Mainstage.
come with me. Day, former member of the Crash Test Dummies and longtime member of British society, not as yet knighted, but in spite of that, performing to his hometown crowd at the Royal Albert next Friday, November the 12th. We heard Waste Time with Me and What a Life. We are awash with Son of Dave. Two more cuts later in the show. Now back to the Cranky Festival. Tonight, Prairie Panorama. A feast, really a harvest fall supper of talent and established artists who have collaborated with emerging Manitoba artists to make something new and crankies to go along with it. If you still haven't got your tickets, go to crankyfestival.com. That's C-R-A-N-K-I-E festival.com. Prairie Panorama. Here's a set of music from artists you will recognize, starting with The Small Glories, Time Wanders On, 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 on Planet Mainstage. to my 
Oh, yeah. 
you go see Ava's garden You won't believe what's growing there People come from all around to walk among the flowers in our town Growing in Ava's garden In the grove of storytellers It's peaceful and quiet there And if you listen closely They'll tell their favorite story Of living in Ava's garden If you go see Ava's garden Growing there People come from all around To walk among the flowers in our town Growing in Ava's garden Growing in Ava's garden Cause I could I was either cold or misunderstood I think it takes a little courage to learn to forget smoke puking out from my argument Have you paddled glassy water under northern lights? Have you taken up someone else's fight? Heard a baby's first lonely cry Found comfort in wondering why In the strangest part I'll be by your side What the hell do you expect That you will find In all of the meantime All in, in the meantime All in all the Holy shore 
comfort in wanting more And in the strangest part I'll be by your side What the hell do you expect? Cause you will find In all of the meantime all in in the meantime all in all the meantime
Hello, this is Leonard Podolik, Executive Director of Home Roots Shemeshenu, and you are listening to 101.5 UMFM Planet Mainstage. I'm bound to kick. I'm bound to kick. But 
Listening to Planet Mainstage on 101.5, check out the playlist at umfm.com and reach me at planetm at umfm.com. Hi, hi, hi. More from Son of Dave, ex Winnipegger, returned home and performing next Friday, November the 12th at the Royal Albert. We heard Bringing It Home, appropriate. And new single, Kick Your Butt. Before that was a set of performers participating in this year's Winnipeg Cranky Festival, Burnstick with Stay. They performed at Cranky and the Blues last night. Burnstick, winner of the CFMA Award for Solo of the Year in 2021. Del Barber with Meantime. Ava's Garden by Madeline Roger. Written for Ava Kabrinsky, who incidentally just received her Order of Manitoba. So deserving. Congratulations, Ava. And that song has a beautiful cranky to go with it. Scarecrow by Nathan, with our own Carrie Latimer. And Time Wanders On by The Small Glories. Next... Duo of Duos Musicians. This is an online live event, November the 9th, Tuesday, by homeroots.ca. Young Novelists and Big Little Lions. I've been a long-time fan of young novelists, Laura Spink and Graydon James, and recently discovered the dynamic Vancouver duo, Big Little Lions. Hear Your Voice, Never Mind the Weather, Finally, and my favorite song still by the young novelist, the hauntingly beautiful Couldn't Be Any Worse.
Santa Cauldron's howl We're not afraid, no We just say
hidden Keeping myself from you Couldn't trust the crowd To say it all out loud So I didn't Say what was on my mind Couldn't find my voice Didn't know the choice was that's it. Please try and attend Duo of Duos November 9th. You just heard their great sound. Homeroots.ca for tickets. Check out our prodigal son, Son of Dave, at the Royal Albert, November 12th, or his music on Bandcamp. 
The Cranky Fest is ongoing tonight with Prairie Panorama and tomorrow with the suburb beautiful crankyfestival.com. Thanks so much to Scott Nolan for a great interview. Visit his website, scottnolan.ca. Stay safely at 6, be kind, and visit umfm.com, Planet Mainstage, for show info and the podcast. Let's finish with one more from The Suburb Beautiful, which I'm sure you will hear tomorrow. This is Scott Nolan's Bella Vista. Bye-bye. Take care. Tune up the band. Turn down the lights. Let the music spill into the night. When all is said and done, remember where you're from. Bella Vista. Stop.